Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday service message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Chris and Joan Wood. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you in your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the Lord. Oh, God is good. God is good. I don't know if you uh, sense what I was sensing. I I think you did. But uh, just in the flow of worship, there was a theme going on about how extravagant his love is, how good his love is, and just uh, how deep and how wide and how he wants to capture us. And I, I, I don't know how your first week of prayer and fasting went. I'm trying to see if there's any hangry looks out there. Um, not quite seeing those yet, but uh, I know God's been challenging me, and, and I even sensed in worship this morning that if we don't experience the depths of his love, if we don't embrace it and let it capture our heart, there's no way we're going to be able to love like Jesus loves to the people that come in. I think he's doing something so deep personally and corporately, Pastor Chris said that in the first service, that, that he wants to just fill us with him so he gets all the credit. And just what he's doing through this prayer and fasting season, I know he's speaking to us, and he's going to continue to speak, but I think the real message he wants to get across is, I love you, kids. I love you so deeply. And there's no way, there's nothing that you can do that will separate my love from you. So aren't you grateful for his goodness? And just his love and his mercy and everything that we sang about this morning. I'm just so, so just, uh, just blown away by it. We could have stayed in the deep end and go even a little deeper sometimes. Um, well, it's, it's been my uh, second full week here. Thanks, 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 thanks. Um, and and uh, got kind of the office settled up and, and settled in a little bit and been meeting with Pastor Chris a little bit and going through some stuff. And so enjoying it, adjusting, just really thrilled to be here uh, and what God is doing um, and I don't know if, if you just need a little encouragement with this whole fasting thing, but I, I asked Jill to videotape some of the kids in kids' church and see what they're laying down uh, for this uh, 21 days. So if you need a little encouragement, take a peek at this video. They'll get it. The stare. Hi, my name is Imogen, and to, I'm going to be fasting from chips for for one week, and and uh, and instead I'm going to eat fruits and vegetables with my lunch because usually I eat chips on Sundays, so I'm going to eat that with my lunch and every night I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pray every night for one week. Awesome. I'm Ezra, my name is Ezra I'm going to fast from candy and read my Bible. My name is Nora and I'm gonna give up screen time reading and and instead I'm gonna read my my Bible with my mom. Okay my name is and instead of reading my fun books, I'm going to read the Bible for the day. Hi, my name is Mackenzie, and 
I'm going to give it candy for today to pray for my friends instead. My name is Hayden, and I'm going to give up Fortnite for the day. Well, I mean all the time, and then I'm going to read the Bible five times a day. My name is Madeline. I'm going to fast chicken nuggets, and I'm going to lead worship songs to Jesus. <laughs> all right. Those are our kids, Chicken Nuggets, Fortnite. I'm going to give up my fun books to read the Bible, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. Oh, the hearts of a young kid. So if they can do it, so can we, right? And then we'll have a big Chicken Nugget barbecue at the end. Uh, awesome. I just thought we all might need a little encouragement from our, our young kids uh, this morning. So thank you, Jill, for doing that. Hang in there. God is speaking. Amen. He's, he's working, even if we don't see it. Um, what I'm going to do this morning is just kind of share my heart with you, share my testimony with you, help you to get to know me and my family a little bit better as we start the new year. Um, just want to take some time to do that and also kind of just share the, the, the story of God's grace in my life and just how I marvel in his grace and what he's done and, and just through the, the years of just relying on him. And hopefully you'll be encouraged by that and maybe get to know us a little bit. I know Katie uh, shared with the ladies back in December her testimony, uh, but um, she, she grew up at uh, Lima Baptist Church. Her dad was a pastor there for over 30 years, and she was uh, well involved in Lima Christian School and and, um, and I know that she got to share her story with you and, and just did a, a wonderful job with that. So uh, I'm just going to piggyback off of that and just have you get to, get to know me a little bit. Plus, next week I want to build on that and kind of share with you and challenge you, as God has challenged me, that there's power in our testimony. Yeah. We were talking about the blood flowing and the blood giving life. It's the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony that overcame the enemy. And so we're, we're, it's the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that we destroy the evil one. And so we're going to piggyback off of that and kind of go on that because I believe, like I said back in November, that 2022 begins with you, begins with us, because we have a job to do. And I, I believe that he wants to capture our hearts so deeply so we can affect the people that we are around. The, the, the people we come encounter with, that we won't be stale Christians, we'll be passionate Christians, and they want what we have. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And so that should be able to get us excited here a little bit. So I'm just going to share a little bit and uh, get on a roll. So my backstory here from birth to seven, don't, don't get alarmed, I'm not going to take a lot of time for the seven years. I don't remember a lot of it. But this is, this is my backstory. Uh, you know, uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Can I get an amen for that? I was raised, like some of you, in a good Catholic family. My mom and dad were both uh, born and raised in it. Um, my mom went to Catholic school. She remembered t I remember her telling me stories of how she got her hand smacked with a ruler because uh, she was out of line. I remember her telling me that she couldn't go to the bathroom and, and peed her dress because they wouldn't allow her to go out. And just the, the, the stringency and, and just the, 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 just the, the way we do things with the Catholic Church and, and, and things like that. And, and I know this has nothing to do with being Catholic, but it's a cool story. My, my grandparents on my dad's side, they had an arranged marriage in Sicily. They met on the opposite corners of uh, the street, and they said, this is who you're going to marry. 
How about that, young people? You want to hear that and you try that for your life? That's, um, but they were married for over 60-some years. Very strong in the, in the Catholic belief. Um, my grandmother, you know, four foot nothing, would just pray the rosary. And my grandmother on my mom's side um, always used to send me these little pamphlets with St. Timothy and all the stuff on there. And, and just uh, we were just a good Christian, typical Catholic family. Um, and and uh, we just... Uh, my dad, he, I think he did home groups before, before home groups became a thing. He would always have people over. I had eight, I got eight millimeter fi uh, film uh, videos with the no sound. You guys remember those? And my dad would play them, and you could see me running around and drinking a Genesee cream ale out of a, a can, just as a little kid. Just, <laughs> woohoo! We had some good times, and they would, you know, the dad would open up, and I'd be you know, going and just walking around, and, and we'd have people over all the time, and my dad would have this little bar area in his house uh, for the social drinking, and, and, and I remember I would go hide behind it, and I would see all these, these bottles in there. It's like, wow, this is really cool, and, and um, thank the Lord I didn't drink any, because I might not have ever come out of there, but, um, you know, he, was, he had this stuff, and they would play cards all the time. My family, my mom and dad would have euchre contests, and they would just have people over just all the time, just hanging out. I just remember hanging out with people. We would go to Catholic Mass. I remember Christmas Eve, we would go there uh, at midnight. I didn't understand that, still don't understand it, but go there and have Christmas Eve Mass at midnight. And, and just uh, all that was just kind of burned into me. Just a typical Catholic family growing up. But then there was a day that all changed. And I'm so grateful for it. Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from, power, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and be placed among those who are sanctified by faith in me. The day it all changed for me. Camp Lie Low Lie. That ring a bell with anybody? A few people? I, I believe it was a Baptist camp um, back in the day and might still be. Um, but my 12-year-old sister, she's four or five years older than me, and then I have an older brother, a year older than me, and I have a younger brother, six years younger. Um, my, my mom and dad wanted to have two. We had four, and I'm number three, so kind of figure that one out a little bit on how that stuff works out. But she wanted to go to camp. So we had this thing in school before they kicked it out. It was called religious education. After classes, we would be able to go hang out. And our family friend, Diane Dougal, um, she was heading this thing up, and she was good friends with my mom and her husband, Ian, were good friends with, with my, my parents. Uh, they were strong Baptist uh, believers, um, but they would share in this religious ed education. And so um, my sister, they talked about camp, so she wanted to go. So she went to camp, and uh, she got sick. And they went out and got her, and they brought her home. And, and this is through the eyes of a seven-year-old, just observing and, and uh, observing everything. And, and she comes in, and she was just trying to communicate something to my parents. And she says, I met Jesus, I met Jesus. Then she throws up all over the kitchen floor. And uh, my mom's like, well, what's going on? And there's, you know, all the nice stuff on the floor and, and you know, just trying to get her under control. But once they got it all cleaned up and they got her settled down and, she said, I, I met Jesus. I asked Jesus into my heart. And my mom's like, what'd you do? And my dad, my, my Italian dad, oh, his face transformed into like, you did what? And, and my mom's like, calm down, John. I'll take care of this. So she went out 
and met with Diane. She lived right up the road, and she was gone for a couple hours, and she came back, and she walked through the front door, and the countenance on her face was just so changed and transformed. And she said, John, I met Jesus too. <laughs> and so he's like, no, you didn't. And he storms out the door. And I was like, he's going to kill them. He is going to just take them out of the race right now. And he was gone for hours. And my mom, she was just praying there with my sister. And, and he comes in, walks through the door, this burly man, just broken. His face just transformed. He says, I guess we're in this together now. And then things started to change in my house. My dad was teaching some um, class at the, at the Catholic Church at the time. I don't know if it was some catechism or things, but he switched the curriculum and started teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and um, that was short-lived because I remember driving home uh, one Sunday and he says, uh, kids, your dad just got you guys kicked out of church. So we got kicked out of the Catholic Church. I thought my dad was the coolest. And then we started home church and just began to build a network of believers and kind of figure this Christianity thing out. My, you know, my dad was, his pendulum swung pretty far, pretty radically saved. Um, he was able to quit smoking, quit drinking, no more horses, all this kind of stuff, just, just cold turkey. And the power of God just working through. My mom struggled with it with a little bit, but she got through it as well. It's just interesting to see the journey of both of them and how the grace of God worked differently in their lives, but it was still a big force in delivering them out of it. Um, my dad was so radical with it that in February, he wanted to be baptized in this area. So instead of... A nice place back here. I haven't even really checked this out. That's big. He went to Ashantee Creek in Avon, New York, though, where the train trestle is. We broke the ice to baptize him. And my mom did it, too. So you know it had to be real. And I was just like, man, I, I'm going to do it in the summer in a pool. You know, just. The, but that's how radical... And it, it's not that it was any more special because, it, but that's just, that, that was my dad. That was his personality. I'm all in. And I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it now. And I don't care if it's, we've got to break the ice. And so I'm watching this and observing all this and seeing the change in my family's life and watching just how, how he was growing in grace, even though that there were some legalistic um, tendencies that I think was because of the Catholic Church and and our traditions, and the way we, we do things, and dot our I's and cross our teeth, cross our teeth, cross our T's, and uh, just uh, different things like that. <laughs> I know, there's just so much inside of me, I just want to get it out. I'm going to cross my eyes, um, but just, <laughs> uh, what you see is what you get, folks, and there's no turning back now, I'm, I, I have an office. Um, so my, my parents became very involved at Elam Gospel Church um, 
they were on the search committee to bring uh, Pastor Mike Cavanaugh in back in the late 80s. Uh, my dad became a greeter. He was always the one in the front of the church with a big old smile on his 300-pound body, just, just greeting people. And that's why I think he probably died early, because he's, he's just the greeter in heaven. And he's been a little busy lately, but he's just been welcoming everybody that's uh, coming in now. But he just was always, oh, I remember your dad. He was such a smiling face in the front, just greeting everybody. And then he, he was one of the elders, and from there, uh, Elam Gospel Church sent him out to the church I grew up in in Mount Morris under Tom Nelson and, and as a young kid, and he became the pastor of that church in the early 90s. From 90, 1990, he took that church over, had 12 people in it, and within a year and a half, it was up to 200. And just, he was out on, on uh, just the uh, meeting people on the streets. I remember at his funeral and his viewing, a guy came in, leathers, spikes. I, I honestly thought he was lost. And he was in the viewing, and he hugged me. He said, you must be Mark, man, because I was living in Michigan at the time. and gives me this big hug. And I was like, who are you? And he's like, man, your dad used to buy me a donut every day down at the donut shop, and he led me to Jesus. Yeah, he rocked, you know, and just things like that. And he was just a real relational type person. So that's part of the day that it all changed for me because I was watching grace work in their lives all through these years. And so my story, I'm calling it the good, the bad, the ugly, the grace. The good, the bad, the ugly, the grace. Aren't you so grateful for the grace of God? Yes. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's all about him. It's all him. He gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. But I didn't realize this as I was growing up. Because of my dad's radical conversion and our Catholic background, I believe this had something in that kind of set me up as I look back at it, and I call it stinking thinking. Just some thoughts and, and protocols and things that are just ingrained in my heart on how I should do things to get attention from God. I know none of you probably struggled with this, but this is my story. I was thinking that if I did certain things, if I lived my life a certain way, then God was obligated to do this, this, and this. I know I shared some of this testimony back in June when I shared outside when it was 90-some degrees and the wind was blowing my toupee off. But I just want to reiterate the grace of God in my life. I was so bent on doing it right because around me there were so many young people that were doing it wrong tell them I said hi <laughs> and I just was just focusing on, on just getting my checklist right before God because I was trying to get his approval but didn't know I already had it and I was trying to work it out through my own goodness Saying, God, you know, I, I, I'm, I didn't go out with any girls that drank, smoked, or chewed, or those that do. You know, I didn't do any of that. I didn't sleep around. I never got drunk. And I, you know, I, I did this, that, and I went to church, and I went to youth group. And, you know, I thought I was a good kid. So because I did that, God, you owe me. That's what I thought. And legalism and pride begin to set in. Because during my time at Bible school, 
My sister struggled with a couple failed marriages. And I remember sitting in my, my dorm room in the tabernacle, and I said, that'll never happen to me. Not because my heart was in a bad place, but just because pride was setting in. And some of you know my story that left Bible school and, and um, got married and was uh, serving as youth pastor in Michigan after the youth department shut down. And uh, four, year later, four years later, uh, my wife left, was separated for a year, I came back to New York, and we were divorced a year later. And I was angry at God because this wasn't supposed to happen. This is what I hadn't signed up for because I did this, this, and this. I saved myself from marriage. I did all this. I, I, I prayed about this. I did, but I, I ignored warning flags. And I'm so grateful to God and his grace on how he's restored my life with a beautiful woman like Katie who would take me in my brokenness. And we got a wonderful family. We got our challenges. Grace gets tested all the time. But I'm so grateful for God's grace. But I had stinking thinking going on. Even as a senior at Elam Bible Institute in college, where if you're not familiar with it, it's called the season of prayer. And Sister Sylvia uh, is often there a lot praying for the students. But she'll remember this name, George Veach, was the one who was praying for me. And he laid his hands on me and he started crying. And I don't know if you, some of the, when you're a student at Elam and you know that you're going to get prayed for and prophesied on by these men and women of God, the night before you repent of everything. <laughs> right, Sister Sylvia? I was in there, and I was like, God, forgive me for all the things. Wait, I didn't do anything wrong. And this was kind of my, my thing, but I, I said, don't expose my deep, dark secrets about me. But he places his hands on me, and he begins to cry. And I said, oh, Lord, this isn't good. But he began to share that when a prophet cries in, in the depth of that, and then he started to say that you will marvel in the grace of God and how he saves you over and over and over again. And I honestly, folks, sat there and said, what do I need to be saved from? I did it all right. See how pride was sneaking in? And it, it's not because I, I believe my heart was in the wrong place. I want to I do what's right. We're, we all want to do what's right. But there was something seeping in there that I was unaware of and blind to. And he began to pray that. And I was wrestling with that. And I was like, well, what, what do I need to be saved from? And then he said, then you will marvel in the grace of God and how he uses you over and over again. And I was like, I want to hear more about that. And he began to talk about healing and different other things. But I was stuck on this marvel in the grace of God. And it wasn't until the rug was pulled out from underneath me. When I found my, myself spinning in Florida in some other realm just going, what is happening? I, I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to be a youth pastor. I was doing everything that I wanted to do. And, and, and now this is happening in my marriage. And I go to my pastor at the time, and he says, I don't want to deal with this. You just need to resign. And that's where I find myself out in a trailer park, working construction in the summer in the middle of Florida. All my stuff packed up in a storage unit, just wondering what is going on. This isn't what I signed up for. Any of you can relate to any of that? God, where are you in all this? 
because I did this, this, and this. This wasn't supposed to happen. But I'm so grateful that God can handle my honesty. He's such a big God, such a big heart. And he loves us so much. And I just pouring out my frustration and my, my hurt and my anger and all that. And he kind of said to me, you done? And I was like, yeah, aren't you going to love on me and, and just, you know, give me a little TLC and all that stuff? And he's like, no, I'm going to challenge you. And he says, in the middle of that, he says, are you willing to stay, go through this? I was like, well, Lord, if you can use me, it's a nice spiritual prayer. If you can use me, I'll go through anything for you. Isn't that a nice prayer? Don't you think that? And then he says, what if I never use you again? Will you go through this? Now, I don't know about you, but if we don't have to go through pain, then I don't want to. I'm quick to pop a pill when I have a headache. We don't like pain. We want something to numb it and get rid of it. And that really hit me hard. And I just said, and I was laying, I was laying in my bed with my cocker spaniel on my uh, bed with me. Just He was licking the tears off my eyes. I'm not making this up. My life had turned into a country song. And I was just asking God, how do I get out of this? But I said, Lord, if you never use me again, and this took some time to get to this place because it's going against all my legalistic tendencies. But I said, if you never use me again, I'll go through whatever you want me to do or go through because you're all I know. You're all I want. And I don't understand what's going on, but I don't know what else to do. And I just remember holding on to him and squeezing the snot out of my dog. And he says, that's what I'm after. I'm after your heart. And that's where this grace conversion took over my life. And, and legalism began to break off almost immediately. And I just was so surrounded by his love and his warmth that I really didn't care if he ever used me again. Felt I kind of felt pretty used as it was, but I, I honestly came to a place like, it's not about ministry, it's not about, it's about my relationship with you. And no matter how you use that or how you want me a part of it, I am yours. You do it any way you want. So that was my grace conversion. Because what I didn't get through my head during that time in Bible school and and just different things that I didn't realize that the cross was enough. I didn't come to that understanding that what Jesus did on the cross, what we sang about this morning, was enough for me. Because legalism has this thing that I have to add to my relationship to Jesus. But the cross says you don't have to add anything. See, what I also didn't realize is that I, I, I'm complete in him. What he did on the cross completes me. There's nothing I can do, nothing that will ever be done where he'll say, oh, that's remarkable, Mark. You have my attention now. He's already given it to me. It's already there by the blood of the lamb and what he's done on the cross. And so at that moment, in that bedroom, I exchanged my checklist for utter dependency on Jesus Christ. 
And it was just such a remarkable, I, I never felt so light in my whole life. I never felt so free that, wow, I don't have to work this out. I just have to be in love with you, Jesus. And out of my love with you, everything happens so naturally and organically because it flows from passion. I'm convinced that discipline without passion equals obligation. Discipline without passion equals obligation. If we aren't captured, what we're saying about it, the word was used. If we aren't captured by his love, everything we do is out of obligation. We can be doing the best ministry, be involved in the best small group, doing outreach from the church, but we, if we aren't captivated by the passion of God in our heart and the love of Jesus and the depth of his love, it's a, it's a gong, it's a symbol. It makes no difference. And that's why I think he's after our hearts during this prayer and fasting to realize how much he loves us. The depth of it. And, and we all have bad days. I mean, my, my fasting didn't start off very well. It's just like I was wrestling with things and just stuff was going on. And it's just like, if that's going to be it, forget prayer. I'm going to pizza. You know, that's the kind of thoughts that I was having. Discipline without passion equals obligation. We have to be captured by him. Because passion is so contagious, isn't it? Passion is so contagious. Why are they so passionate about things? You see this in sports all the time. Last night in the football game, you see some of these Buffalo Bill fans. You guys are some weird fans. I saw a, fa a guy, a, had to be his, the dad, he had his, it had to be a three-year-old, and the kid looked like a Michelin man. He was just wrapped up in so many clothes. Why would you bring your three-year-old out in this temperature? You are, you are a fanatic. And then there's some that don't have any clothes on at all, and they got, Buffalo! I don't know if that's passion or intoxication. I don't know. But that's kind of the stuff. Is there something inside of you that says, I, I want to do that? <laughs> not, 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 not the, but there's something about passion that says, oh, I wish I had the guts to do something like that. It, it's, it's, it's like when I was a kid, I used to go to Letchworth State Park in the big swimming pool there. My dad used to take us go in the locker room. And this is how I remember it. I don't remember, I don't think I'm going to exaggerate the story at all. But this is how I remember it. We go in, get our locker, come on out. And I'm, I'm, I was a tow tester. Ooh, water's cold. Any tow testers in here? But then there's a guy with the Speedo that comes out. And he comes running. Boom. 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 Moms are crubbing the kids' eyes. Get out of the pool. Get out of the pool. Get out of the pool. And he goes, cannonball, towel goes off. It should have stayed on. He jumps. Boom, water everywhere. Kids are flowing out of the pool. <laughs> and there's something inside of this toe tester said, I wish I had the guts to do something like that. To just jump right into the deep end and not toe test the water. 
There's something about that. Does that make any sense about how God wants to use us in his freedom to set other people free because of the passion, because of the grace of God in our life? I'll wrap it up with this scripture here. Freedom in Christ, Galatians 5, 1 through 9. Paul writes, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery. But mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, which is works, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare that every man who lets himself be circumcised is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. And here's the key. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Like I said before, Jesus wasn't impressed or ever will be impressed by my checklist. So I exchanged it. And I tried it all. I tried the prayer devotions and the different things just to say, I did this, I did that. And it was so ingrained in me that even as I grew up in sports, I played football, basketball, baseball. I played all the balls. And then being in there, I felt like if I went into a game, this, I'm honest here. If I went into the game and I didn't feel like I had a good quiet time, I was going to have a bad game. And I most likely did because of this mindset that I had. But if I went into the game thinking, hey, I had a pretty good quiet time with the Lord today. I think I, I, think I got his attention. I'm going to go four for four. It, that, that, that kind of mindset was in my brain that if I did this, then God was going to do that. So I'm just given another illustration of how that all works out, but legalism says this. Jesus plus you fill in the blank. For me, it was Jesus plus my checklist. For you, it could be Jesus plus your morning coffee. It could be Jesus plus homeschooling. Jesus plus this. You fill in the blank the things that we add to it. But grace says Jesus plus nothing. Can I get an amen for that? Jesus plus nothing. The cross is enough. The cross was enough. The cross will always be enough. And if we marvel in the grace of God and what he did on the cross of Calvary and we become passionate about that, there's no way we can't help but affect other people. So, Andrew, if you would just come on up. And it wasn't until the rug was actually pulled out that my checklist fell apart. And I don't know what you can relate to that or put in to your story of, of how God's grace, but I believe there's so much freedom in this house that I believe God wants us to go even a little bit deeper. There's one thing that I've experienced in here, getting to know you, getting to know the church culture, is there's, there's freedom here. But I also can't help but feel the wrestling 
of sometimes of our, our, our good works and the things that we try to, oh, Lord, I just didn't have a, a good week. How can I be a part of this? How can I do that? And this morning, I just want to pray for us that we break any off, any off any legalistic tendencies. And not saying that any of your hearts are in the wrong place, but I want freedom in Christ. I don't want to be there saying, Lord, I obeyed nine of the Ten Commandments. If I did that, that's a pretty good record. But he says, Paul was saying that if you did that, you still broke the law. If you want to be righteous, you have to obey all the rules. And this is where the cross comes in. And I'm so grateful for that because I could never match up to the rules. And I'm so grateful for the grace of God. He has saved me over and over again. Saved me from a broken marriage. Saved me from an unexpected death of my dad that just rocked my world, rocked my faith. And even after the things that we've faced, Katie losing her twin brother in an accident, a financial bombshell going off on, in an investment that went south, losing our house, and having to pack up and to go to an apartment and just say, God, what is going on? I don't know what's happening, but we, we went to a counselor, and he says, I see people that are only going through one of this. You're going through so much, but you're still together. He says, God is doing something in your life. And I've, we, we would talk about it and how it made our marriage stronger, even though there were so many challenges going on. Oh, God, why? Why is this happening? See, we stopped asking the why questions and started saying, God, we trust you in it all. Even when we don't see that you're working, you never stop. You never stop working. He loves us so deeply, so intently. And even if, and this is what I had to realize, it's not what I expect, it's what he's doing. And so I need to lay down my expectations and say, God, help me see the big picture. Help me to see what you're doing. Because it all comes around. Misty Edwards sings a song, he turns it all around. And his grace is so good in our lives. So if you would, just stand with me. I'm going to encourage you with some things, and then I'm going to ask you to go a little deeper with me this morning. I felt like in worship we were entering the deep end, but I think there's even more for us as we experience God's freedom and laying down some legalistic mindsets and thoughts. Because what he's doing is preparing our hearts for people that are coming in. He's preparing us as a church and individuals where your workplace is, where you meet people, where you inter interface with people one-on-one. -on -one. He's preparing you with passion to be a difference to them. And, and one of the first things Pastor Chris did when I came in the office is he, he brought in a stack of folders and he put them on my desk and said, there you go. He says, when you get time, start looking through them. And I was pondering through them and and there's a lot of procedures and office stuff and things like that. But at the bottom, there was the, thick, the, the biggest folder. And it was the prophetic words given to this house 
over the years. All the way back, I, I think 2005, 2004, there were some early, early words about how this place is going to be a mass unit, that the unlovable are going to be coming in, and that we need to prepare. I kept seeing being prepared. He's preparing you. He's preparing you. He's preparing you for people that need the love of Jesus. And so that's what I think is going to be happening in 22. And get ready, because it's all about him pushing out through our hands the passion that he's placed in our hearts to bring change to people. Who wants to be a part of that journey? I hope this message has encouraged and challenged you in your walk with God today. Again, this podcast is a resource of Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York. If you'd like to learn more about us, find us at our website at zionfellowship.net or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, feel free to give us a call at 585-394-7450. Blessings to you as you continue in your day.